Greetings, folks, and welcome to episode 33 of the Far Beyond Metal podcast. I'm your host and spirit guide on this metal journey, Daniel Cordova. In this episode, Tommy Rogers of Between the Barrier to Me discusses his first band, and I end the episode with a recommendation of the band Illustrium. Up first, however, I speak with Dark Vader of the band Galactic Empire. Galactic Empire are a five-piece progressive metal band that specializes in the themes of John Williams from the Star Wars films. They just released their second album of Star Wars metal, aptly titled Episode 2. As his name suggests, Dark Vader is not quite the character from the franchise, but you can see similarities. The Man Beneath the Helmet, Chris Kelly, discusses the band's image, how they transform John Williams' pieces into metal arrangements, Star Wars, of course, and a lot more. But first, from their first album, the self-titled Galactic Empire album, this is the Imperial March. Before we dive in, with Chris Kelly. Uh, it's fine. I was just sniffling off mic. It happens. All right. So I've just I've just got audio on my end. But before we get going, uh, shall I ever refer to you as Chris or Dark Vader? Uh, you can you can refer to me as Chris. It's not a big deal. All right. Fair enough. All right. Cool. So I'll just go ahead and uh, jump right in. I got recording and stuff going here. Cool. Um. There was a pretty quick turnaround between your first album and episode two. What was the process of uh, episode two like? Like, how much of the second album was prepared around the same time as the first, since it's only like a year? Well, the it's it's not really about things being prepared at the same time, because they were actually prepared long after one another. It's that the, uh, the process of finding the right distributors and like getting everything set for the first record took a while after we finished it. So, um, you know, the first music video came out in late 2015. Um, and we had started on the record by then, obviously we had that first song done. So, um, the rest of the record was probably finished by around, probably may or june of 2016 um and then or maybe eh, maybe later than that maybe like july or august and then we didn't have it released until february of 2017 right so um so we had already had all the material like done you know everything was recorded and ready to go it was just a matter of like getting the wheels turning on the distribution side um, and getting the right people behind us that took a while. So, um, you know, I think, I think the stuff for episode two, the, the demos grant program, those out grants our drummer, um, he programmed those out probably, I want to say like summer of 2017, something like that. Oh, and the uh, second album was released on May 4th, which is now just star Wars day. How much of a hustle was there to hit that release date? Uh, not that bad. Um, so, uh, when we, we went into the studio in December of 2017 and, um, we were like, we were going, uh, we were going to be on tour. Um, oh, Hey, sorry. My one-year-old just silently snuck into the room. Hello. So, uh, yeah, we, um, went into this the studio in december and we knew we were going to be on tour in february and march so we had to get we we made sure to get the record done before we left for tour essentially um and i think we figured at that point like if it's done that early we can probably shoot for a spring release 
And if we were going to release in the spring, I was like, we should just release on May 4th because, you know, albums come out on Fridays and May 4th is a Friday. So it works out. Lovely. Um, yeah. So it was it was actually a lot easier than I anticipated it. But uh, yeah, it worked out. So when I saw you guys in San Francisco, you had the entire second album in your heads and you were withholding it from me. How dare you? Yeah. Yeah. We had uh, we had the demos, everything like uh, software instruments uh, programmed out roughly. Um, Grant is the mastermind behind all that. He has perfect pitch, so he just listens to the orchestra bar by bar and picks out every little piece that's being played and programs it onto its own separate track. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so he had all that stuff done. They, uh, he and our bass player Carson are um, producers, and they were doing a record in Australia, and just in his free time in the mornings and stuff, he would just knock those out. So he, we were sitting on those for a little bit. That, that answers part of my next question is, what is the uh, process of narrowing down a full orchestral orchestration piece by John Williams into three guitars, a bass, and drums? Yeah, so there's, I mean, obviously that's the process, but there, there's a lot more than three guitars going on, obviously. There's, you know, probably 20 or 30 at any given point. Wow. Um, it's just that you know, you can't have 20 or 30 guitar players on stage. So uh, we, you know, I take care of most of the main melodies. Uh, CJ, who was Shadow Ranger and is now uh, who we call Kyle Rim, um, <laughs> he uh, he does a lot of the counter melody stuff, and he's he takes care of a lot of the more difficult parts, too. Like, he, all the really, like, shreddy, arpeggiated stuff is usually him. And then um, uh, Mike is our uh, our primary rhythm guitar player and he uh he handles you know the obviously like the bottom end most of the, most of the time and then parson our bass player will kind of just follow what mike does so any um anything that's not covered by the three of us is is uh, just backtracked and run through the pa um so that we're not missing any layers but we we try our best to cover the, the most important sections uh, among everybody on stage and then just kind of have the extra stuff as the backtracks. So there's not like a constant fight over who gets to be the oboe in a certain song? No, no. Um, I mean, it's it's gotten pretty, uh, pretty second nature at this point in terms of how we divvy up the parts. I mean, you know, Vader's always been the one that plays the, the melody, you know, the, the part that people recognize. So, um, nine times out of ten that's going to be me um and yeah like i said i mean i explained the roles before and it just like things kind of seem to fall into place pretty easily like there's not really a there's not really much deliberation or much discussion as far as like oh that should be a rhythm guitar part like it all just kind of falls into place pretty well it's pretty cool i i always imagined it was just like this big fight thing but i like that it doesn't seem to be that um episode two has quite a bit of stuff from the new trilogy as well as you know stuff from the original stuff um yet nothing from rogue one are you guys strictly john williams scores yes yep um we're we primarily sort of joke and say that we're a john williams tribute band as opposed to a star wars banks you know people ask like oh what are you gonna do when you run out of stuff and we're like oh we'll just put on fedoras and play indiana jones (laughs) um but uh but yeah, it's the the iconic stuff, you know, the the complex stuff, the the legendary stuff is all John Williams. Um, you know, Rogue One wasn't bad, but like it wasn't John Williams. You know what I mean? It was right. just movie. It was just movie music. You know, there wasn't anything that really jumped out about it, and I think part of that is because I'm pretty sure it was kind of a last minute um assignment to i can't remember the composer's name but i can't either I think they had they had somebody lined up and then he stopped doing it or couldn't do it and so the one guy the other guy just had to do it super quick um but uh but yeah we stick to you know like sort of i know that rogue one is official canon but like for lack of a better term we stick to the real canonical stuff and we stick to john williams scores my next question kind of was alluded by what you said. Um, I'm sure you're aware of the band Power Glove, who play video yes. game metal. In uh, yes. their, I think it's their third album, they did Saturday morning cartoon covers, which is fucking rad. Uh, <laughs> could you guys see yourself actually doing indie stuff or anything from Williams' crazy, absurd catalog? 
I mean, absolutely. At some point, I, you know, I think it just depends on, um, I think it depends on how this, you know, image of the band evolves, you know, it, I mean, if it's something where the whole star Wars thing just kind of takes a dive at some point, then, you know, maybe we'll revisit some other stuff or come up with some other wacky ideas of what we could cover. But, um, you know, for now, like there's also the possibility of like even if we don't really have any new material to explore um you know there's always the possibility of like it's not really the type of band that sort of needs to put out new stuff like everyone's gonna be trying to hear the star wars theme when we play so um it could just be something where we just play festivals now and then or whatever but um the future is fairly uncertain as far as that's concerned but we're definitely not ruling out any uh any like outside pieces because john williams is sick so of course could you guys see yourself being a strictly like convention band versus a touring one and how do the two worlds differ to you since i know you've done them both now yeah um i think as it's going right now it's definitely gonna favor you know the sort of traditional rock band format as opposed to um you know just playing different conventions and stuff i think I think if we scaled back, you know, the number of shows per year, we'd probably do, like, festivals and things like that, as opposed to, you know, Comic-Cons or Star Wars celebrations or anything like that. But, um, you know, that also just sort of, like, a, like sort of like everything just, just depends on how the band continues to evolve, I think. Um, hold on a second. I need, I need to put that down. Sorry, one-year-old playing with Um, but, uh, I mean, we certainly don't dislike doing conventions. They're awesome. And, you know, they're a big part of our demographic, but I think we've sort of established, um, a, uh, some, some sort of career in the touring circuit. So I think at least for the foreseeable future, that's where it's going to stay for the most part. That's pretty cool. Like I actually recently saw you guys are opening for Coheed in Europe somewhere. That's kind of, uh, that's Lancaster, kind of Lancaster, actually, Pennsylvania. Yeah. Oh, I'm um, way off then. Yeah, no, I, it's, that. Um, I actually wasn't even sure we would, we had announced that yet, but if it's public, then it's public. Um, uh, it popped up on Reddit, so I don't know how official Reddit is, but it's on Reddit. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, it is. It is happening. Um, so we we did our last our last U.S. tour was with Max Sabbath, and we had um, we're from Lancaster, the Dallas, where the band's based. So. Um, we uh, we had a Lancaster date scheduled on that tour, but there was the there was this big uh, they called it the snow apocalypse that was coming through. It was supposed to be this huge blizzard, and you know everyone goes into panic mode and goes and buys all the milk and bread they can get, and uh, <laughs> um, and so they issued a state of emergency in Pennsylvania. We were in Memphis, and they issued a state of emergency, and we're like, no no big no vehicles bigger than like a pickup truck are allowed on the road at all and no vehicles smaller than that are allowed past like 4 p.m or something like so it's like this whole thing so we couldn't even get into the state so we had to um we had to reschedule it so we're playing kind of back-to-back shows we had our reschedule date which is on may 26th in lancaster and then we're playing at the same venue in the same town the Wednesday after that, <laughs> uh, opening for Coheed, uh, which was just a like a fluke. Our our manager is their tour manager, mm-hmm. so he was just like, "Hey, I'm booking this as like a warm up gig for them. Like, like, do you guys want to just hop on and open the show?" And we're like, "Fuck yeah, <laughs> why not?" So, um, so yeah, that was uh, just sort of a random show that popped up that we just figured, you know, well, there's no way Coheed's not selling that place out, so sure, why not? And just as an aside, I, I double-checked it. It's been on Reddit for six days. I can absolutely cut this part out if it's not been announced yet. <laughs> well, um, I I think it's going to be announced soon. Uh, I can I can get back to you on that. I can talk to Chuck um, and just make sure that he's got a plan or that he knows it's public before before I give you the go-ahead. But I okay. don't think it's your problem. Yeah, it's on the fence if he has to look at it or for some reason. Uh, okay. Going back to the, the our chat, uh, how has being in Galactic Empire, the Star Wars metal band, changed your relationship with the franchise? Um, it hasn't. Well, okay, like it hasn't in terms of you know us being fans. Um, 
it has in the way that um, everyone that we know now directly associates us <laughs> with with the movies. Uh, since the first music video came out, I don't think I've received a single Christmas present, birthday present, uh, random gift of any kind from any relative uh, that hasn't been Star Wars related, specifically Darth Vader related. Um, like, my my wife bought me new floor mats for my car and they've got Darth Vader's face on them. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> so that's just, it's become our, like our collective identifier now. Um, but, uh, I mean, as far as, as far as our individual, like our personal relationship with the franchise, I don't, I don't think it's any different just because the only reason we made this band to begin with, like it wasn't even supposed to be a band. It wasn't supposed to play shows or tour or anything. We just made that music video because we like Star Wars, you know, that music video is so good. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we thought so. We thought so. <laughs> we the uh, the goal was like, I think we could get a million views at some point. You know, I think eventually it would hit that, and we got the first million hits in like eight hours or something Damn. like that. So, so yeah, it uh, it definitely kind of spiraled out of control pretty quickly, and we've been just trying to trying to pick ourselves up ever since, just flying by the seat of our pants. Super cool. All right, we're about to go controversial deep on some Star Wars. How do you guys? Oh feel, boy. How do you or the band collective feel about Yubnub? I am relatively indifferent on Yubnub. Um, I, I'm 20. I'm about to be 26. So I grew up on the prequels. So, um, like it wasn't until I was about eh, like. 19 when i finally watched them again and was like oh god this is why everyone hates them so like <laughs> as far as thing like the vhs tape that i had of the original trilogy were the special edition so there was the um i don't know what the official name of it is but the 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 like the musical number in jabba's palace uh that like everyone made fun of and um jabba the hut was in uh, a new hope on the version that I had. So like, it wasn't until like multiple years later that I like found out that like, Oh, none of that stuff was supposed to be there and everyone's really mad about it. Um, so as far as Yubnub is concerned, like it doesn't really have too much bearing for me, but, but I know that, uh, Grant and Carson, um, they're like in their thirties. So they, uh, they grew up on the original trilogy and, they're not fans of Yubnub whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> I, so, there's a generational gap, I suppose. I, I'm almost 30, and uh, I grew up knowing of Yubnub but not really having an opinion about it. But I just got married last month, and our exit music was Yubnub. Kind of oh, no. just to annoy people, and it was amazing to us. That's awesome. That's but, awesome. <laughs> um, are you looking forward to Solo? Um... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's so, you know fair same yeah that's it, like it's not that i'm not looking forward to it it's just that like it's it's a uh, it's an even more uh potent um potent version of the feeling that i think most people had about rogue one when it was coming out which is like okay but do you need it <laughs> like like well okay so like for instance like with rogue one it's like well none of these characters are in the original trilogy obviously because this was thought of after the fact so we already know everybody dies like it's like there's only one way this story can end we know what their goal is we know that they accomplish it but we know that they don't exist past this movie so what is there to do um and I think Solo is fairly similar. Like, we already know everything that happens to Han. Um, we know that any characters in the movie that are significant in this movie but not present in the original trilogy will die, probably. <laughs> um, or they'll just, like, ride off into the sunset and you'll never see them again or something. Um, and the other thing is that, um, like they're clearly trying to glorify Han's past when the whole thing about Han was like before he met Luke and like got wrapped up in all like the good guy stuff. Like he was kind of a piece of shit. Like he was a smuggler and a thief and like everyone hated him and there was a price on his head and like he, he, he killed people and stuff. Like he wasn't a good dude. So like, 
a movie that like directly makes him the hero is also sort of contradictory to everything that we know about what Han was supposed to be. Like the only reason he's a good guy is because he was made a good guy by the end of it. Um, and all of, all of that being said, the obvious things like the stories that have been coming out of it, like they had to bring in an acting coach for the lead and they, like the directors quit like eight weeks before the end of shooting and like just all this crazy stuff it's just it just seems like it's gonna be a recipe for a mess but i hope it's not like i'm gonna go see it and i hope it's great but i don't anticipate it being that way i have myself i have super low expectations but i'm incredibly excited for donald glover's lando uh yeah i mean like he he's a perfect casting for that absolutely it's just one of like one of those things where it's like oh like I'm glad he's in the movie, but, like, it's kind of just riding on that. Yeah. <laughs> you know? I want a Lando spinoff, I think. But um, I'm reminded... I think they're going to give us one. I think I'm pretty sure there's Fuck. been something. Fucking A. Want it. Uh, I'm actually yeah. reminded of the Patton Oswalt bit about the prequels where he discusses, like, how everybody gets a dad. and they're... Yeah, yeah, like so... killing, killing George Lucas with a shovel before right. he makes the prequel. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I love that bit. I'm terrified Han Solo's going to get a dad, and that's going to be what this movie is. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, you get to see him as a little kid. Yeah. Uh, it's going to um, be a disaster, yeah, I think. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, someone's going to die, and he's very sad. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Having said that, I have my tickets for Thursday. Um, uh, who else? Who do you think deserves a spinoff? Or do you think there would be a successful spinoff? Well, I mean, obviously I'm pretty biased, but I really think Vader needs one. And and I know that seems weird because it's like... He had three. He had the prequels. <laughs> like, whether... whether Yeah, whether, whether they're good or not, like, he had the prequels, like, where we, like, saw him, like, fall from grace and whatever... And then we have the original trilogy. But but the thing for me is that, like, there's, like, 25 years or so, like, give or take, within, like, between Revenge of the Sith and A New Hope. And the thing that, and I never noticed this until our other guitarist, Mike, pointed it out. Like, in the original trilogy, it's like, why is everybody afraid of Darth Vader? Like, he can obviously, like, fuck shit up when he wants to. And, like, he's obviously a powerful guy. But, like... You know, there were, like, limited effects and whatever in the original trilogy, and you just sort of accepted how menacing he was. Like, there wasn't a whole lot, at least especially in the very beginning, like, it was just that, like, y- you you got this sense that, like, everyone knew what this guy was capable of, and, like, he was infamous throughout the entire galaxy, but why? And I think Rogue One gave us a nice little piece of that. Like, that, that was the first look that we had at you know suited up vader like in his prime kind of thing mm-hmm. um and so i think a i think a spin-off that is specifically focused on his his sort of rise in like in that image would be really cool just because like there's also there's also a lot of stuff that people that's like in sort of you have to read online and whatever it's not really talked about like the constant pain and suffering that he's under just being in that suit um how it's like literally designed to keep him like in total agony and to like keep him pissed off all the time um so that he can just continuously have that flow of negative energy to just destroy whatever is in front of him so i think like going into like the real nitty-gritty of Darth Vader as opposed to Anakin Skywalker is something that could be really cool. Um, as far as uh, anything else, I mean, like maybe an Obi-Wan, like, but the thing is he was in exile after uh, Revenge of the Sith. So it's like, what did he do? Like, it's just going to be a movie about him, like hanging out with people in the desert and shit. So I don't know. Um, it's just him convincing I, people his name is Ben. <laughs> exactly like i'm pretty sure aren't you obi-wan no, no ben. Ben. Um, benjamin if you will so it, they, but the other for me like part of the reason that like none of these spinoffs are like 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 total fuck yeah moments for me is and it's dumb but like I don't know, man. The lightsabers are the coolest part. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, like I grew up 
I, I grew up just wanting lightsabers to be real. And I know I'm not the only one that thinks that. Like, it took a long time. Like, it took until adulthood for me to start analyzing movies from, like, a critical standpoint. It was either I liked it or I didn't. And, like, I fucking... Dude, in, like, fourth grade, my teacher's would like make little jokes at me because they thought I was trying to be Michael Jackson because I would wear one black glove. Like, but I was like, no, it's Luke Skywalker. What are you talking about? Who's Michael Jackson? <laughs> you know, like, I didn't know what they were talking about. So like the, Je- you know, Jedi, Sith, all that kind of stuff, like those type. And I grew up on the prequels. So before I realized how bad the acting was and all that kind of stuff, um, um, before I realized how bad the acting was and uh, like, you know the all the typical uh complaints that you hear about the prequels i was just blown away by all of the the battle scenes you know what i mean like that stuff was so cool to me so i grew up on the lightsaber porn essentially so um like whenever there's like if there's going to be a spin-off about han solo or lando or whatever it's like even if the story's great it's like i don't know man unless somebody's got a lightsaber i'm kind of bummed out <laughs> that's fair so uh I, I might be a little bit biased on that end, but for me, it's just, I want cool droids. Like Rogue One gave me a cool droid, so I'm happy. I don't know if there's gonna be a cool droid in Solo. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, see, like the, I I think that's something that was ruined for me in the prequels, which is just the battle droids. Like, yeah. Like they were, like they when they started talking and stuff, and like being like this like witty, like comic relief thing where it's like there's Jar Jar Binks and then the metal versions of Jar Jar Binks. Like I don't know. That like that stuff kind of turned me off to the whole droid thing, except for the the destroyers. I like the the droidicas, uh, yeah, right. the rolly guys. But um, yeah, I don't know. It's just it's it's always been the guys with the swords for me that, <laughs> that did it. So too, that was Galactic Empire with Ray's theme. I'll have more with guitarist Chris Kelly, aka Dark Vader, in just a moment. First, this is my first band. Every musician has to start somewhere, and in this episode, Tommy Rogers of Between the Bear and Me talks his heavy metal origins. I guess my first real band was called From Here On. We were a hardcore band. Um, it's on it's on streaming services and stuff. You can get it. It's a, we had an EP. Um, I don't know. I. I sing and we had another singer and uh, I played guitar in a a band called Prayer for Cleansing after that with Paul but um yeah I guess yeah that was after so yeah my first one was from here on I was probably 16 or 17. Bear and Me just announced they're releasing Automata 2 on July 13th, and they'll be headlining the Summer Slaughter Tour. For dates and pre-order info, head to BetweenTheBearAndMe.com. Now here's some of Hyperspace from Galactic Empire's Episode 2 before we dive back in with guitarist Chris Kelly.
is it safe to assume that the Disney people know you ex you exist? I would be surprised if they didn't. Um, we haven't gotten contacted. We haven't like when we first started uh, getting requests for shows and things like. We tried reaching out and being like, "Hey, we did this thing and got millions of views, and we promised we didn't take any money. Please don't sue us, but like." We want to see if we can work out, like, what would it take to license the intellectual property so that we could use the costumes live. Oh, wow. And um, we didn't get, we didn't even get, like, we didn't get a no. We didn't get a fuck you. We didn't get a cease and desist. We got nothing. So, um, and I think that, you know, we have one official music video that has not hit a million views mm -hmm. on some platform. So... I think that's an and the first music video got a lot of like mainstream plugs and um, coverage and like on different news sites and stuff and newspapers and magazines and whatever. So just because of like how quickly it caught on. So I think it, it would be surprising if we weren't on their radar. I just think that uh, like we take measures to keep ourselves legally safe. So we don't monetize our music videos. Um, Disney doesn't own the music, John Williams does, right. so he likes that through his publishing, and we don't wear the movie-accurate costumes on stage, as you said you saw us in San Francisco. Yes. So you know that. Yeah. Um, uh, and that's, you know, we obviously wear those to be non-infringing and to keep ourselves safe, but also because the original costumes are damn near impossible to exist in, let alone actually play. Um, they, they're heavy, they fall apart, you can't see, it's hard to breathe, like, especially the Vader costume, it's my worst nightmare. It's my least favorite thing to wear ever. Like, it looks cool when it's all on, but my god, at what cost? <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, and, and the other thing is that the suits that we wear live, we wear them for an hour a day for either two weeks or a month, depending on how long the tour is. Um, then when we shoot a music video, we're in those things for like eight hours straight, and it's terrible so um we had to come up with something that would be lighter weight and more breathable and just like something that didn't make us want to kill ourselves and also allow us to play so makes sense um, like we, we would you know if one day we got <laughs> for some reason disney hit us up other than for some reason other than to tell us that we couldn't do this anymore and, and was like, hey, like you guys can license the costume. We would still have to get them altered just to be playable. Excuse me, but um, but uh, you know, we absolutely would just because that's like that's a, a bigger draw than you know, like my my Vader mask kind of looks like a duck. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, it's it's kind of goofy, and people get a bit bummed out about it, but like they get it. You know? So. Mm. Um, certainly not ruling anything out like we'd certainly love to you know be like official star wars band you know but be uh, the band that we're just what's you, up you could be the band that plays like every four like every day at four thirty at disneyland <laughs> right That'd be cool. i don't know if it, well disneyland maybe just because that's in anaheim where the weather's nice but disney world they'd have i mean like have to be a good paycheck i think to do that because like orlando is not a fun place to be climate wise <laughs> so. i don't know if you're looking at like a july in anaheim you're gonna have a bad time in those suits but if it's for, like yeah i mean hour... it's gonna be hot it's gonna be hot but dude have you ever been in florida in july or august no like, oh dude don't okay Just don't bother Fair enough. Like, you feel like, like the best way that i can describe it is you feel like you're in somebody's mouth Ugh. Yeah, just just a hundred percent humidity all the time. You can't escape it. Like even in the air conditioning, the air is heavy and wet, and gross. Like it's just it's a it's not fun. Like it's way easier to just play. You know, it's hot on stage. You know, we've played outside in the sun. It gets hot, but like humidity is a whole other factor that like Anaheim doesn't have to deal with. <laughs> so that's, that's I would fair. much I would much prefer the West Coast for that kind of thing. <laughs> Uh, I'm going to switch gears just a little bit uh, as I start to wind down. Uh, what came first? Is it pronounced Illustrium or, yes. or Galactic Empire? Illustrium. Yeah, that's been my uh, that's been my band since Jesus. Uh, we started in like like before it was called Illustrium. We, I think it was probably like 2008. 
or something like that. It's quite uh, the run. Yeah. Um, but that, you know, that's from kind of like conception all the way through, you know, whatever it is now. Um, but, uh, yeah, as Illustrium, our first album came out in 2010. And you're working on your third right now, right? Yes. How's that coming? Good. Uh, it's, you know, all of us have jobs and I have a family and things like that. So life gets in the way a little bit more now. But, um, uh, you know, Galactic Empire is something where, like, if we go on the road for a month, we actually come back getting paid for it. You know, unless you're not the same <laughs> same thing. But, um, but we have, uh, we've been making some good progress and we have some some songs ready to go and a few more on the way and we have um we have some cool stuff in the pipeline as far as uh as far as you know release plans and things like that so you know hopefully we'll be able to you know get that off the ground a little bit more than than we had previously thought possible um but uh you know for now it's just it's our passion project it's it's just strictly writing as far as as far as we're concerned about I'm hoping other people find it the same way I did. Like, I found Galactic Empire first and worked my way backwards. And Illustrium's fucking rad. Like, any listeners out there, check thank it you, out. Man. Yeah, it's, I'm, I'm super into prog metal, and that's that's what it is. So it's it's great. Well, thank you. And, I, and that, that's really cool. I mean, every once in a while, we'll get a message like that. Like, yo, I dug deeper, and I found Illustrium. It's sick. And that's awesome, because, you know, like... Galactic Empire is obviously like that's my career mm-hmm. right now, but but like I don't write that music. None of us do, you know. Um, it's it's music that everybody already knows. It's music that somebody else wrote, and um, you know, as 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 proud of it as I am, as we all are, you know, there's still the aspect, at least for some of us, where it's like, you know, if it, if there had been the added component of they wrote those songs, like. I feel like our, you know, the, our sort of like our street cred would be a lot higher than it is, um, you know, because right now I think that the, the gimmicky thing can sort of get in the way for some people, which I understand. But I think that if they look past it, especially on the new material, like they would understand like where it fits in. But um, but it's yeah, it's awesome when somebody actually knows, you know, the work that that you put out, you know, right. And you, and you slaved over and, thinking uh, we played a uh, this star wars festival in oklahoma last summer and we had this vip meet and greet and this one guy came to the table and was like yo guys like really love galactic empire like everything you're doing is sick but what i really like is this and he pulled out our record and we're like no fucking way <laughs> you know? um this mike and i are both both in illustrium so um you know like it was just it was cool it's cool when you know that you're that that part of your life has actually reached other people you know have you considered sneaking uh doing like a spinal tap thing because the guys from spinal tap went out and they toured and the uh fuck are they called from the mighty wind that folk band was the opener which is also them could illustrium (laughs) open for galactic empire um i don't i don't see ruling it out um like it would certainly be a, a decent way to um, to get like to kind of get us on the road in a more major uh, in a more major way. Um, I think it's just a matter of of it lining up right for the other members, you know. Cause obviously, Mike and I would be able to do it, but that's also because Mike and I make money from Galactic Empire, right? You know, mm-hmm. so whereas Illustrium isn't going to be worth you know, um, from a promoter standpoint or just from a, you know, a frugal standpoint, as far as the following that we have and what we'd be able to draw on any given market, like we're not going to be worth the kind of guarantee that could, you know, pay everybody's bills for a month. Um, so that's kind of the unfortunate reality of like, you know, the band's starting to get a little bit more attention now, partially because of Galactic Empire and the connections that we've made through that. But it, it's starting at a place where we're all in our mid to late twenties now. And like, we've all sort of solidified our lives in certain ways where it's going to be more difficult to just go out on the road than it was when we were 18. Yeah. And speaking of tour, do you have another North American galactic empire thing coming up? Please. Um, please not officially, not officially. We're, we're, we're hoping to, we're hoping to, to have another one. Um, I'd like to have it before the end of the year. Um, 
we're talking we're, we're starting to talk about like fall and uh, you know kind of September through December uh, show options and things like that um, oh Jesus Christ that was terrible um, but uh, yeah nothing you know nothing officially on the books yet or announced or anything like that it's all just kind of uh, you know ideas right now fair enough and I know we're two weeks three weeks out but uh, have you started doing anything for episode three or is there going to be an episode three? Um, we have not started doing anything yet. Um, I know there are a few things like we talked about doing the battle of Endor suite, which is like a 30 minute thing. And the battle of Hoth, which is a really long one. So we talked about maybe, um, and this was a while ago that we talked we talked about maybe doing like separate EPs for those things or so, something like that. Um, we're not sure. It, cool. it, like it's it's just something where you know it, I I know we definitely want to do those pieces, but we are also kind of running out of <laughs> other <laughs> other pieces because once you, like pretty much all the stuff that we've done like we've covered as much of the like original material as we can and everything past this starts getting more or less derivative like. John Williams will work in motifs from past pieces into these other pieces. You know, I, I have thought about that. So, yeah. So, like, at some point, it's like, okay, cool. So, like, this has a different name, but, like, there's the main theme, there's the Imperial March, there's Han and Leia. Like, you know what I mean? You can just start picking out the different themes. It's like, all right, it's just recycling stuff. So, um, we'll see. You know, it's definitely not out of the question, and uh, I'm sure that we'll release other material. I just don't know exactly what format it would be. I have a bad idea for you. It's a terrible idea, but you should not do it. <laughs> you should absolutely not do it. Uh, you should take all the songs that were played in the uh, Life Day special and do covers of those. So Starship was one of them. And that's the only one that comes to mind. But then there's like a very erotic soul song. Uh, your takes on those would be very interesting. Again, terrible idea. Don't do it. But if you do it, I'll give you money. <laughs> okay. You know, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll run it up the, the chain of command and see what, we'll see what comes up. Alrighty, sir. Thank you for talking with me. Um, all right. Yeah. Good. Thanks. Uh, thanks for having me, and have a good night. You as well. Thank you. Episode 2 by Galactic Empire is out now via Rise Records. For dates and merch, head to galacticempireofficial.com and facebook.com slash galacticempireofficial. As always, I'm ending this episode with a recommendation. However, this time I am sort of double dipping, but for good reason. As you heard, Chris and Mike from Galactic Empire in another band called Illustrium. They're sick. Like, they're fucking really good. Not even saying that to kiss his ass. I legitimately love this band and feel like they're worth your time just as much as Galactic Empire. So here's some of the progressive death metal band that features some chaps from Galactic Empire with my possessor from their album A Tunnel to Eden in its entirety.
Illustrium are currently working on the third album, and you can find the previous material like A Tunnel to Eden over at illustriumofficial.bandcamp.com. And for info on the band, head to facebook.com slash illustrium. As always, if you want to talk to me, you can email me at farbeyondmetaldan at gmail.com. Like if you're in a band, you want to be on the show, etc., etc. I am on Twitter at Ovacor, that's O-V-A-C-O-R-D. And of course, you can like the show over at facebook.com slash farbeyondmetal. Also, why not? Head over to iTunes, like the show over there, give, give me five stars so I can have a rating on there. People listen to the show, but they don't seem to go on iTunes to do that. It's very helpful. So head over there, leave me a review, tell me I'm great, tell me how sexy my voice is, etc., etc. And of course, the theme song is Far Beyond Metal by the band Strapping Young Lad from their album The New Black, courtesy of Century Media Records and Devin Townsend himself. Thanks for listening. A Catbox Production.